0: welcome
1: salutations
0: what's well, lackin'?
1: <laughs> anyway i'm ashley and i'm sierra and this is your weekly Ghost dose of Picket. wicked
0: What up, dudes and dudettes? How's it going this week, y'all? Having a good time? Having a good week, I hope? Hope it's rays of sunshine. I'm hoping we're making your day better, making your week better with this weekly dose of Wicked. Woo-hoo! All right. What kind of news we got this week? We got nothing. We got nothing going on. No new Patreons. Sad day, sad day. So if you're feeling inclined, head on over to patreon.com forward slash weekly dose of Wicked where you can join one of our fabulous tiers. You can become a member of our exclusive fan club, where you can support our podcast. How else can you support our podcast? You can head on over to Facebook or Instagram, where you can like and follow us at Weekly Dose of Wicked on both of those. What else can you do, Ashley?
1: You can leave us a rating and review.
0: Yep, you sure can. You sure can do that. Get us some post buttons. Yeah, it's going to take a long time to get those post buttons i'm talking years maybe we can speed it up a little with our begging doubt it anyway what else we got going on in the news um in other news it's now october 20th of 2022 i submitted our podcast to pandora in june so how many months is that four is it four Yeah, I just feel like it's been so much longer. But anyway, it only took four long months. But Pandora has finally accepted us. We can finally be listened to on Pandora. The wait is over. We are on the top, bitches. Yes, we are. We finally made it. Look at us go. Start Start at the bottom. We're here. We also got an email from, I don't know who they are, but some people. And they say that we are a top podcast and they want us to join them. I think it's spam, but hey. Oh, really? I didn't see that email. Yeah, I don't know. It's something. We'll have to check it out but anyway they say that we're one of the top podcasts and they really want to work with us so we'll see if that means anything or not i mean i think we're the bee's knees so you know are you frozen or you have nothing to say
1: oh i was reading our emails
0: oh okay gotcha um other other news other news um i did find my purse it did not get stolen i did not pack it in a box it was actually just in my car so ashley said none of you care but i just wanted to update you since i feel like you've been on the struggle bus with me and my missing purse
1: here's an idea Sarah. clean your van
0: Here's an idea, Ashley. Shut your mouth. <laughs> anyway, you ready? I'm already. Are you ready to roll into this case? Do you know what it is? No, you don't know. No, because so... you
1: didn't know what you were doing when I talked to
0: you earlier. <laughs> yeah, so at like six o'clock, Ashley and I are talking on the phone. She's on her way home from work, and she's like, so what are you doing tonight for a case? And I was like, I don't know. She's like, you don't know. What do you mean you don't know? It's six o'clock at night. I'm like, yeah, I'm not sure yet. What do you mean you're not sure? I'm like, listen, I fly by the seat of my pants. Leave me alone. I had a case picked out, and then I changed my mind. I'm you allowed to do that. gave me anxiety. I don't know why you get so stressed out. You've known me for how long? Too long. 26 years. 26 years I've been doing this. Too long. Like, I've never changed. Just be quiet, Ashley. No,
1: you be quiet, Sierra.
0: No, you be quiet. All right, anyway, nobody else listens to us argue. All right, so you've probably heard this case, and that's fine, because it really bothers me, so I wanted to do it. You're not going to like it. You're going to hate it.
1: Oh, uh, I, I don't want to do this.
0: Yep, we're doing it. You ready?
1: Nope, I'm I'm leaving the page. Why? I'm leaving. You don't even map. know what it is. It's unsolved. I automatically
0: don't like it. All right, too bad. Okay. Are you ready? I'm a ready. We're going to discuss Angela Hammond. Do you know who that is? No. I'm sure you do. Is your I phone felt- vibrating? Yes. I can hear it in the mic, so get it off the table.
1: Sorry, it's my cat Snapchat group.
0: Where we send pictures of cats. Lame. (laughs) All right. April 4th, 1991. Just kidding. We're not going to start there. I don't know why that sentence is still there. I meant to get rid of that. Boop. Gone. Delete. All right. Angela Hammond was born on February 9th, 1971 to Marsha and Chris Hammond in Kansas City, Missouri. Shortly after her birth, the family relocated to Clinton, Missouri, where Marsha's parents lived. Not long after the move, the Hammonds welcomed a second child, this time a boy, and life was just grand for the Hammonds. Unfortunately, this picture perfect family would not last, and Chris and Marcia would end up divorcing. Mm-mm. Angie, as Angela liked to be called, seemed to still have a pretty decent childhood. I couldn't find anything that said that she was unhappy. Well, that's good. Yep, it seemed like they remained pretty civil, Marcia and Chris, they remained civil. Um, and I mean they really all just stayed happy. Angela's remembered as being well liked around town and having an infectious smile. She was also a petite little thing, standing at just four foot eleven. Ooh, that's little. Yeah, it is little, right? Uh so this was the nineties. So of course she had a kick ass perm. Ooh. And she had those like super stylish nineties bangs, you know? Oh, like yeah. the ones that you have to like use the blow dryer and the roller brush to like give them the perfect nineties shape. Yeah yeah so pretty much she was just awesome anyone who
1: has those bangs they're dedicated yes for sure because I could never do it
0: Mm
1: -mm.
0: never I had bangs for a short period well I've had bangs a few times there was one time I had the bangs (laughs) I'm
1: gonna add that picture to the Instagram
0: (laughs) (laughs) you really can I don't even care it's fantastic (laughs) actually please do because i feel like all of our listeners need to see it oh my gosh yeah are you gonna put the one are you gonna put the picture of like what i wanted to look like yeah this is what i, I got
1: <laughs> i feel like everyone can relate okay like, what i got no you cut your own bangs Sarah. you did not no, no. i didn't actually i went to a hairstylist for the I did not cut those myself. I'm laughing so hard. No sound is coming out of my mouth right now.
0: <laughs> Are you sure cuz I feel like you cut them yourself? I'm no, Ashley. I'm 100% positive. I know exactly where I went because I went back and asked them to fix them and the manager fixed them and made them worse.
1: Did you go to I went break?
0: I went and got those done. No, I was I got them done in the Walmart salon. So- <laughs> <laughs> We were grocery shopping, and I thought to, I said to Jacob, I really not want to get some bangs. Would it be okay if I went and got my hair cut at the little salon where you finished shopping? And he said it was fine. And then I came to find him in the store after I was done, and he was like, what the fuck? Oh
1: my gosh, that's hilarious. I really thought you cut him yourself, so.
0: No, actually I really could go to a stylist. makes it better. <laughs> anyway, we'll post it on the Instagram. I feel like it's something everybody needs to see some bad haircuts but that was by far the worst i think oh they gosh, were so really? thick that was the problem it was they were so thick the bangs were so thick anyway it doesn't matter okay angela's bangs were awesome <laughs> not like yours i did get bangs no that time they were trash but the next time i got bangs they were cute okay when summer did them they were cute are you
1: telling me no they were wispy know, or, okay the wispy bangs were okay but
0: i thought the wispy bangs were super cute but okay thank you appreciate it i felt like i was Hot shit with them wispy bangs. Yeah, super hot. Okay, anyway, it doesn't matter. Angela's bangs were awesome. I can't pull off bangs. It's fine. I envy her bangs. All right, so anyway, moving on. After high school, Angie enrolled in college classes at Central Missouri State University. And she also got a job working at a local bank. I'm not exactly sure what she did at the bank, but she worked nights. She was like a night processor. I didn't know that was a thing. I I don't know either. Anyway, doesn't matter. So, at the age of 19, Angie meets Rob Schaefer. He was 18 and still in high school, but the two did fall in love hard and fast, which I can 100% relate to. Typical. Yeah, pretty typical. Pretty typical. Young, young love. But just a few months after the two began dating, Angie found out that she was impregnated. Ooh, that's not good. Well, they were actually very excited about it. Oh, okay. Well, baby's a blessing. We're on that. On that train? I mean, babies are a blessing. I've been there. I've been, I've been Angie. I get it. I feel her. That's what I'm saying. So last episode I said, I don't like episodes. I, can, I don't like cases I can relate to. I can relate to this case. Hmm. So anyway, here she is, 19 years old, dating her boyfriend, fresh out of high school. They've only been together a few months. She finds out she's pregnant. They're very excited about this news. Rob wastes no time. He runs out, gets Angie a ring, and asks her to marry him. Okay. So things are going great for Angie and Rob.
1: What state did we say this took place in? Missouri. Okay. Why? Obviously, oh, I just thinking, like, that's the typical, like, southern way.
0: What? You get pregnant and you get married? Yeah. I mean, is that not just the way of the world? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I can relate, though. I was 19 when I got pregnant. Right. After only being with my boyfriend for a few months. You were engaged, though. No, we were engaged. But we got engaged. We had only been dinked for, like, two months. We got engaged. Well, I know. Hard and fast. That hard and fast love, man.
1: That is true. You did do that. A lot.
0: Mm-hmm. I did. And here we are. <laughs> nine years later. Well, it's been 11 years. We've been married for nine years. Okay. Anyways. Things are going great for Angie and Rob. They seem to be a great match. And even though they were young, their families did actually appear to approve of the relationship. Well, that's good. Love a supportive family. Yeah, Angie's family loved Rob. Um, it seemed like Rob was a very easily lovable guy. He was that total, like, teenage jock type guy. He was, you know, like, star athlete just very lovable you know the type yes like um jack on um yes like jack from secret life of the american teenager yes Yes. that is how i envision rob except jack was actually a douchebag yeah well rob was actually a very nice guy okay so not like jack Mm -hmm. no rob was actually a very nice guy uh angie like i already said she was also super lovable she was sweet and caring But she was also a little firecracker. So, like, her personality was just on point. Like, she just seems like she was an awesome, awesome chick. Well,
1: she had the bang, so she had to be.
0: She did have the bang, so she had that kick-ass perm. Yeah, so automatically. And she was only 4'11", so she was tiny.
1: Dynamite comes in small packages. Yes, for sure.
0: So, anyway, fast forward to April 4th, 1991. Angie and Rob attend a cookout at Angie's mom's house. They have a great time, and at around 10 p.m., Angie drops Rob off at his house, but they make plans to meet back up later. So, April 4th of 1991 was a Thursday, so clearly they were cooler than me. Well, they were out of school by then. No, they weren't. Rob was a senior in high school. Uh It was a Thursday in April. Okay, sorry. Never mind. So, they were not out of school. So, they were the cool people. Got it. Unless maybe, I don't know. I didn't check the calendar. April 4th of 1991, it could have been Easter break. Maybe. That is possible. I'm unsure. But anyway, regardless, it wouldn't have really mattered if it was Christmas break, Easter break, New Year's break, any break. I would not have been hanging out on a Thursday night after 10 p.m. With, t- with my friends. No, me either. I would have so, been. In bed. I'm just saying. Yeah, they're cooler than me. Um, I also thought that it was really weird, though, that she dropped Rob off at 10 p.m. and then they had plans to meet up later. Like, why'd she drop him off, though? I mean, and who goes out that late on a Thursday? Right. I mean, like, I can understand getting home that late and, like, dropping off and, like, okay, bye. Have a good night. See you tomorrow. But, like, no, she dropped off at 10 p.m. And they made plans to meet back up later. Hmm. I don't know what time later is, but. So some sources said that he had to go home because he had to watch his little brother because his mom was at work. Apparently, that's what happened. But that also doesn't make sense to me. Why? Because I completely get if, like, his mom worked third shift. And so he had to stay with his brother overnight. But then he wouldn't be heading back out later right you know what i mean and like if his mom's working third shift more than likely she was already at work by 10 p.m i mean like third shift normally starts i mean i guess it could start at 10 p.m but i don't know it just to me didn't really make sense right but that's the story okay i don't know it's not relevant anyway um after Angie dropped rob off she went to go hang out with her friend kyla so the girls met in like the main part of town like in the town square And they hung out and they just drove around town, which, again, I find totally relatable because that's exactly what I used to do when I was 18, 19 years old. I used to just drive around town, listen to music, talk with my friends. Like, that's what we did. At about 11.15, though, Kyla heads home because Angie is getting tired. She wants to go home and go to bed. But she's supposed to meet up with her boyfriend. Yes, yes. But remember, Angie's pregnant. Okay. So at this point, she's four months pregnant. So she probably is exhausted. I mean, it's 11.15 at night. Right. And she's pregnant. So she's now 20 years old in April of 1991. She's 20 years old, and she's four months pregnant. So I completely am on board with her being tired. Um. Now, the problem is she's supposed to meet up with Rob. So her mom's house does not have a phone. She doesn't have a home phone in her mom's house. And it's 1991, so there's no cell phones. Why did she not have a home phone? I, I'm not sure. I did not get an answer to that, but she didn't have a home phone. So she's got to let Rob know that they're not hanging out. So she decides to call Rob on a payphone in town to let him know that she's tired and she's going to go home and go to bed. What was supposed to just be like a quick call ends up being far longer, which, again, I get. I've been young and I've been in love and I've spent many a nights on the phone with a boy all night long, as I'm sure most of us have done.
1: Right. You feel like five minutes have passed. It's actually been five hours and it's 4 a.m.?
0: Yeah, yeah. So this is essentially what happened. So 11.15, she calls Rob. It's now 11.45, and they're still chatting away on the payphone. That's when Angie says to Rob, uh, hey, there's like this weird truck, and it keeps circling the parking lot. Oh, I don't like that. No, I don't like that either. So she tells him that the guy in the truck is kind of creeping her out, and it seems like he's watching her. And then the truck parks next to her. The guy gets out and he walks to the payphone next to Angie. It's like two payphones. So he walks to the one next to Angie and he tries to make a call, but he doesn't actually talk to anybody. So I don't know if he actually attempted to make the call, if he was just pretending to make a call, but he doesn't actually get anyone on the phone. So then he heads back to his truck and he gets out a flashlight and he starts looking around his truck for something. So this whole time, Angie's talking to Rob. And Rob's like, hey, maybe he... Why don't you call out to him and see if he needed to use the payphone? Like, maybe that other payphone's not working and you're holding up the phone. Like, maybe he needs to make a call. So Angie calls out to him and he says, no, it's okay. I'll just try my call again in a few minutes. Rob and Angie continue talking. Um, Not really anything important. They're just chatting. And then all of a sudden, Rob hears Angie scream. And then he hears a man's voice say, I didn't need to use the phone anyway.
1: Hmm.
0: Hmm. What can we learn from this?
1: Um... Late at night, you should not be alone. Okay. Not what I was going for, but yeah. And if you're talking to your girlfriend and there's a creepy man, you should probably go there.
0: I mean, my thought process was you should trust your gut. Well, yes, that too. Like, Angie didn't feel, she felt uneasy, and yet she continued to stay there on the phone. She probably should have left prior to the guy parking next to her when she didn't feel comfortable with the man watching her.
1: Right, but I mean, if she would have left then, I mean, probably the same thing would have happened, whatever happened to her. I mean, now she's in her car driving. Oh, I was thinking that she walked there.
0: No, she drove there. She dropped Rob off in her car. Right, right, right. So I'm saying. So her and Kyla met up. Kyla drove there. She drove there. Then Kyla drove herself home. And then Angie still had her car. Right. Yeah, she should have gotten in her car. No, 100%. I mean, walking away wouldn't have been an option because, yeah, that probably still would have. But like, had she gotten in her car and left. Right. Anyway, whatever. There's a lot of lessons to be learned from that. But. Rob immediately jumps into action. He drops the phone. He doesn't even hang it up. He just drops the phone, runs to his car, and he heads into town where Angie was using the payphone. The phone that she was using was only seven blocks from Rob's house, so he's flying. And on the way there, he passes a truck, and he hears Angie scream, "Robbie!" So he throws his car in reverse and begins to pursue, pursue this truck. Now, what he doesn't realize is that by throwing his car in reverse, that he messed up the transmission in his car. Oh no. So, when the truck takes a last-minute turn, Rob's car ends up stalling, and he loses the truck. Ugh. Yeah. So, it's 1991, so again, no cell phones. So, Rob just starts to head directly for the police department on foot. He doesn't really have any other choice. His car is stalled, broken down, and he doesn't have a cell phone, so he's just got to walk to the police department. Luckily, someone in town drives by, and they give him a ride, so he's able to make it there much quicker. Once at the police station, he tells them everything he knows. Angie had told him that the man driving the truck was a dirty white man with a beard and mustache. Uh, He was wearing glasses, and he was also wearing overalls. The truck he was driving was a late 60s, early 70s Ford pickup. It was two-tone, and it was either a dark yellow or a light green. Sources say different things, but those are the two colors that are the most prominent. Uh, And on the back windshield, it had, I don't know if you remember these because you were so little in the 90s, but it was like a really big thing to have like those, like those murals on the back of your window. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Okay. So it had one of those and it was a lake and it was like a fish jumping out of the water.
1: I don't know why, but like
0: occasionally you'll still see those and I always Mm -hmm. find them super creepy. Okay. Well, this truck had one. Well, that's creepy. Okay, well, the Clinton police immediately contacted the Henry County Sheriff's Department, as well as the Missouri State Highway Patrol. So they jumped into action relatively quickly. Um, Over the next few days, the Missouri State Highway Patrol would check hundreds of trucks matching the description Rob had given them. Uh, Unfortunately, that turned up with nothing. So with no leads, the police start to question Rob, because it's always the spouse or significant other. Right. And they think that his story is very unbelievable. Okay, why? Why? They just think it's a load of crap. Okay. I don't know. They don't believe him. So I don't know. They start to focus heavily on Rob. The thing is, though, it's like there's a multiple witnesses. Kyla can verify the timeline of leaving Angie at 1115. There's that person that picked him up on his way to the police station just before midnight. So even if like we can't account for Rob's whereabouts from 1115 to midnight... I mean, it's possible he might have, you know, he says, like, he ran out the door, never hung up the phone. Maybe that was all a ruse. Maybe he wasn't ever on the phone with her. Maybe he, cons- you know, conspired with someone and <clears throat> he just left the phone off the hook while he killed her. Yeah. To, you know, create an alibi that he was on the phone with her for 45 minutes when that wasn't the case. Even so, though, that means, so that leaves 45 minutes for him to murder and dispose of her body. Yeah, that's not very much time. And her body to this day has never been found. So, like, he had to, you know, very well dispose of her body in order for it to not be found for all of this time. I mean, it's been 30 years. Yeah, that's Nobody. Um And also, actually, after that, other witnesses did come out and say that there was a suspicious truck driving in the same area as the payphone. Hmm. So it sounds like his story isn't full of crap? I mean, maybe. That actually wasn't supposed to happen yet, though. I shouldn't have said that part yet. Yeah, so anyway, Rob did end up taking a polygraph test, which we know that you should never do, because it's not admissible in court, and also you can get a false reading very easily. Uh, Luckily for Rob, though, his polygraph did work out in his favor. Um, The polygraph came back that he was telling the truth on every single question. Right. So, two other witnesses did also come forward and report that there was a a suspicious truck driving around the area of the payphones between 1130 and 1145 on the night of Angie's disappearance. So Rob is thankfully cleared. Within just a few days of Angie's disappearance, they connect her case to two other local cases. Trudy Darby and Cheryl Kenny are both women who vanished from local towns late at night. Trudy Darby was 42 and working at a convenience store in Max Creek, Missouri. On January 19th, 1991, Trudy called her son and told him that there was a a suspicious man hanging out outside of the convenience store that she worked at. Her son immediately headed out to check on his mom. And when he arrived just 10 minutes later, she was gone. Oh, that's not very much time at all. Well, it wasn't very much time between Rob and uh, Angie either. No. More than 10 minutes, so probably, right? I mean, he was only seven blocks away, so probably not. Oh, okay. Yeah, probably not. Trudy was then found deceased on January 21st, 1991, just two days later. Her body was found on a riverbank 10 miles from the store that she worked at and where she went missing from. She had been shot in the head twice, and there were signs of sexual assault. Oh. Yes. Cheryl Kenny was a 32-year-old living in Nevada, Missouri. Like Trudy, Cheryl also worked nights at a convenience store. On February 27th, 1991, so just a month after Trudy's disappearance, Cheryl was abducted after locking up the store that she worked at. Her car was left in the parking lot, and Cheryl's remains were never found. Hmm. All three of these kidnappings were within 100 miles of each other. That is close. Yes. So obviously this is unsettling for really the entire state of Missouri. But to this day, they've never connected another case to these three. So they were thinking maybe they had a serial killer on their hands, but if they did, they stopped killing. Right. So I don't know what you want to do with that tidbit of information, but I just thought it was interesting. So sprinkle that in there for you. Uh, In 1994, they did actually solve Trudy Darby's case. Half-brothers Jesse Rush and Marvin Cheney were arrested. While awaiting trial, some jailhouse snitches came forward and say that uh, Jesse Rush admitted murdering Trudy to them. But there was never any mention of the other two women. I know how much you love jailhouse snitches, so I wanted to include that for you. They're my favorite. Yep. So the two brothers were convicted of Trudy's murder, and apparently the police considered all three cases were solved with that. What? Yep. I'm not joking. I'm being serious. I'm being dead serious. I don't know why you're looking at me like that. Like, I'm not even pulling your leg right now. No, I'm being serious. You do that. You do that a lot. I do do that a lot, but no. Um, no, I mean, they legit, when Jesse Rush and Marvin Cheney are arrested for Trudy's murder, they just link all three of them to them. Even though they didn't get a conviction on the other two murders, they just think all three cases are solved. No more need for investigation.
1: So I know, like, you didn't look into the other case, but, like, did they have sufficient evidence on these guys or just the jailhouse snitches? They
0: admitted to the murder. Okay. My next line was, even though there's no solid evidence to prove that all three cases are in fact related and that Jesse Rush and Marvin Cheney committed all three murders, they still just think that, you know, that's the case. But um, so, yeah, both of them were convicted. They did both admit to that, to murdering Trudy. The difference, though, is is like Trudy's murder. It doesn't make sense to me that like Trudy's murder. They shot her in the head two times. I'm sorry. I smashed the washing machine. (laughs) They shot her in the head two times and left her on a riverbank and she was found within two days. These other two women. Their remains have never been recovered. Right. So, like, why would they go from being so careless to doing so well?
1: I mean, because maybe if they did do it, maybe she was there first. And then also, like, maybe there was more in between, like, that they
0: practiced with. Okay, but Trudy was in January and Cheryl was in February.
1: Oh, so that's not very far in between at all.
0: Right. Right. I mean, there was definitely a little bit of time between them, and I mean, Angie was in April. So I mean, you're talking about four months. Yeah, that's not enough time. To, I don't think to perfect being a serial killer. Right. That's that's my thoughts. I don't know. To me, it doesn't really make sense of how they could just like lump them all together. But whatever. No. Not unfortunately, at all. I don't understand that at all. Like I'm, I'm well, sh- speechless on that. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, that puts Angie's case and Cheryl's case actually both on the back burner for years because they really do think that they're solved. So there's nothing there's nothing more in the case until two thousand and nine when police announced that they have DNA evidence in Angela's case. So to me, I find that confusing. I don't know how they got DNA evidence. They don't have a body. Right.
1: Like where did they get DNA evidence from? I mean maybe there was like she left like her hair or something on at the payphone? Or like that person left their hair in the
0: nineties? I don't know. I just, to me, that's weird. Like, I don't know where they got the DNA evidence from, but whatever. That's what they say. 2009, they have DNA evidence. Um, But there's nothing that ever really comes from that. We don't hear anything else about it after 2009. Hmm. I don't know. So, through the years, police have investigated other theories. And in 2021, they announced a new theory that they're investigating. It's recent. Yeah, very recent. So they receive an anonymous call from someone claiming to know details about a letter that was sent to a confidential informant who had helped with busting narcotics back in 1991. They also receive a letter from this confidential informant. I don't know why it took 30 years for this information to come out, but it did. So they get this letter, and it's a cut and paste letter. So it's like, I don't know, super 90s when you've got like a letter made out of news clippings. Yes. Yeah. So that's what this is. Okay. So anyway, the letter's postmarked April 4th, 1991, which is the day that Angela disappeared. And it reads, Hello, number blank. We know who you are, number blank. People like you deserve what you get. We know where your foxy daughter is at. She will see us soon. Tell wife's name. She has our deepest sympathy in her further loss. Goodbye. That's weird. So, so first of all, this letter. Uh, It correctly identified the confidential informant's number. Like when they said, hello, number, blank, there was a number there, which was the confidential informant's CI number, and they knew it. It was correct. Okay. They also correctly identified the CI's wife by name. So where I said wife's name, it had the confidential informant's wife's name in that spot. Okay. The confidential informant's daughter was named Angela. It was not our Angela, but his daughter's name was Angela. Okay so as far as i can tell nothing's come from this lead either but they have reason to believe that this was a case of like mistaken identity okay so they thought that they were killing the confidential informants daughter angela but they got the wrong angela okay but if they're like a hitman how are they doing that i don't think that they were a hitman it was a dirty white man with overalls i mean it was probably somebody like making meth in his basement oh maybe is meth a narcotic i don't even know i think so yeah, I mean, that makes sense, I guess. I don't think that they think that it was a hitman. I think that they think it was a pissed off narcotic dealer. Yeah, but he was just like, hey, your name's Angela. going to kill you. I mean, probably not. I can't imagine that he thought, hey, your name's Angela. I'm going to kill you. But I mean, it wouldn't be the first time that they have thought it was a case of mistaken identity. No, I actually just listened to one of those the other day. And I mean, this letter was postmarked for April 4th, 1991. Which is the day that she went missing, which means they sent it on April 4th, 1991, because that's when it was stamped. Right. (laughs) So they probably dropped it off that morning and then went and kidnapped Angela that evening. Right, yeah, that makes sense. So, again, I don't know why it took so long for it to come out. But to me, that's the most solid thing they've got so far. So, anyway, yeah, that's really all I got. Yeah, that's that's the end. A weird case,
1: not a lot of stuff there.
0: No, there's not. So, there's a lot of theories floating around. If you read, if you get online and you look into this case, there are a lot of, like, chat room, like, message boards. And a lot of people think that Rob did it. Hmm. Why? Like, a majority, a majority think that Rob did it. What's their reasoning mm-hmm. are Because he was an 18-year-old, <sighs> what's the word I'm looking for, star athlete, and he accidentally got his girlfriend pregnant and was about to ruin his life. Yeah, but you and said so they were,
1: like, her. excited and engaged and...
0: Yeah, a lot of people think that he is not telling the truth about that, and Angela's not here to corroborate that story. Right. So a lot of people think, like, in interviews that he's done, like, a lot of people think that he looks guilty, like, he looks cold. I didn't get that vibe, but there's a lot of people that hate on him and think that he did this. They think that the story he told is crazy and unbelievable. Most people actually think his story is made up.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think the story does sound a little crazy, but, like, I don't know, I feel like it could happen. I mean, to me, I feel like it's a perfectly reasonable story. And, like, did they look into his car? Was his car really, like, messed up? Did he really mess up the transmission? Yeah, I mean, he left in the middle of the street. And I don't think he would intentionally just, like, destroy his car. I mean, I don't either. I mean, maybe, but if he's really that, like, selfish.
0: Yeah. So some other crazy theories are that Angela was killed and her body was thrown in a well. I don't know why that comes up so often. I don't know. I feel like that comes up very very often. Like, where are they finding these wells to throw bodies
1: in? I don't know. Like, what kind of wells? I've never seen a well to throw a body in.
0: Right. Like, my house has a well. There's no opening for me to throw a body into right. it. Right. Not that I've looked for one, but I think I would see one. Yeah, I don't know. I just imagine, like, Little House on the Prairie Wells. Like, those little, like, granite stone wells that you, like, put a bucket down to get water. But, like, I've never actually seen one of those in right, person. Right, I've only ever seen them on TV.
1: That's what I'm picturing as well. But... I've seen,
0: like... I've seen, like, fake ones. I've never seen one in person. No, me neither. Okay, and of course, my favorite theory, though, is um, that Angela just ran away from her life. That's it. Yeah, that's it. Because a woman a woman can never just go missing without someone thinking that she's run off to start a new life. It's so stupid. I, that one makes me so freaking mad.
1: <laughs> I don't know why anyone thinks, like, like, that's a good theory to have.
0: I don't know, but apparently there have been numerous um, sightings of her. Like in other states, and even as far as Canada, people claim that they see her even now. Hmm. Not that there's ever been any actual solid proof that they see her, but yeah,
1: huh? Maybe I don't know. Honestly, I really she did really. I don't know what to think. She's in Canada,
0: but why though? Why would she run off?
1: Well, maybe they're true. Maybe what people are thinking are true. Maybe Rob really wasn't happy,
0: and he's surrendered. The theory of her running off is that. She was having like a hard time at home, like with her parents. And Rob loved her so much that he like made this crazy story up, and she ran off because he wanted her to be safe. I mean,
1: is there any evidence that her parents were no no' her like that? No, there's none whatsoever. So TV is just really crazy. I mean, I was kind of thinking like Rob was pretty much like, "You have to leave, or I'm going to kill you." Or I'm going to kill the baby, I mean, or whatever. But there's no reason to even think that that is possible. I mean, no. But that would be the only thing I could see of how he would be involved in her running away.
0: I don't know. Um, so her younger brother, I think his name is Lauren. Um, like there was some stuff by him. Apparently, okay. So apparently, her younger brother and the son of Cheryl. Okay. I guess came out in, like, 2000, I don't know, like, 2009, 2010, I don't know, maybe, whatever, after that DNA evidence came out. And they were apparently, like, online message boards and stuff, and her younger brother said that the way that the police portrayed it, he just automatically, like, he always thought that it was those half-brothers. It never dawned on him that it could have been anyone else. He never realized that they didn't actually have any evidence on Jesse Rush and Marvin Cheney in his sister's murder. Hmm. So he just always thought that's who did it. And then when they came out with this DNA evidence, he was like, you know, it never actually dawned on any of us that it could have been someone else. We were all just like, okay, that's who it was. And we just lived with that. right? Which I thought was so crazy.
1: Yeah, I don't understand why they were so adamant that these guys had everything to do with all three murders. Like that's still, I I, don't understand at all. I think it was kind of a, another Gary
0: Thibodeau type thing like a scapegoat they needed someone to blame and they just needed someone to blame because everyone was in hysterics over like a possible serial killer right and so once they had someone that they could blame that's who they blamed but they never convicted them of it so i mean i don't know
1: that was weird have you never heard that one? no
0: i hate that case i think it just really like hits home to me because like i said like she was 19 20 years old she you know fell in love with this boy, got herself pregnant a few months later, just really fallen fast and hard for this boy, and then she goes missing from, like, a freaking payphone at 11.15 at night. How many nights did I stay out? I mean, I can't even tell you how many nights I stayed out until 2, 3 in the morning at that age with my friends or even just by myself. Like, I'd go to Walmart or, like, you know what I mean? Right. I don't know. I'm just not a fan of those cases that I can relate yeah, to. Yeah, I
1: mean, I don't really relate to that one very much. But, um, like, the last one we did, Katie, I relate to her a lot.
0: Yeah. I hate those. I feel like I could relate to both of them, and that's why, I don't know. I haven't been a fan of either of these last two cases. Then I also feel dirty for saying that. Like, I'm not a fan of these, but I'm a
1: fan of other murders. Right. I don't think that it's that you're a fan of other murders. It's that
0: they intrigue you more. I don't know. I just think that that one's crazy, too, because, like, not only is it... They don't have a video, but they have a lot of information on this guy. And on the truck... And, like, they still never you found know, a lot of eyewitnesses. They started immediately. Right. Looking for her. And, I mean, it seems like it's, like, small-town America. So there couldn't be that many places they could have went. Oh, you would think not unless they just, like, left town. I mean, I think he would have had to have left town. Right. Removed that fish mural off his car. You know? It just had to be, I don't know. Like, it had to have been someone from out of town. Because it seemed like it was a pretty small town. So, like, if it was someone who lived in town, I feel like she would have known them. Yeah. I mean, was it a
1: super small town, And she was, Like, have you
0: looked into it? I mean, it, everything that I've read has seemed like it was a pretty small town. I don't know. I mean, I can't say that without a shadow of a doubt. But yeah, I mean, everything I've read seemed like it was small town America. He lived seven miles, or seven blocks from the payphone that she went missing at. Right. So, I don't know. <clears> hmm. <throat> Population in Clinton, Missouri was 8,792 people in the 2020 census. So not like super small town, but pretty small. I feel like it's comparable to Mexico, New York. You said 8,000? Yeah, that's how many are in Mexico, New York. Really? I think so. We did this with Heidi Allen. Let's see. In the 2010 census, they had 6,000. So, I mean, yeah. I'd say that's pretty comparable. Yeah. Now, that's the town of Mexico. The village, obviously, has less people, but I mean... Right. I'm just saying, to me, it seems like it's pretty... Yeah, pretty... Small enough that you would, you know, recognize someone. Even if it's not someone that you necessarily know, I feel like she still would have... Rec- if it was someone from town, I feel like she would have recognized them.
1: Right.
0: You know what I mean? Especially if he was that creepy. Like, oh, Robbie, the creepy guy from the gas station you know i mean right the creepy guy i just feel like she would have right i don't know and also like how shitty that his car died as he was following them yeah that really sucks like that really sucks had his car not died
1: and his story is true he probably would have got him probably or he would have got murdered yeah or he would have ended up dead too
0: yeah so maybe his car got messed up on purpose so he didn't die too i don't know Could happen. I don't know. The whole thing's really crazy to me. Yeah. But that's pretty much all I got.
1: Alrighty, well. Angela
0: Hammond. I was going to uh, include, like, where to contact if you had any information, but I didn't actually see that anymore. Here it is. If you have any information on the disappearance of Angela Hammond, please contact the Clinton Police Department at 660-885-5561. Well, Thank you. And on that that note, I think we're going to go to bed. Yeah, time for bed. Time for bed. So, thanks for listening. Peace out, Girl Scouts. See you on the flip side. Bye. Bye. Hey,
1: everyone. Thanks for listening. If you liked what you heard and want to support a small podcast, please give us money at
0: www.patreon.com forward slash weekly dose of wicked where you can join one of our three tiers at the five dollar level we've got the moderately wicked for seven dollars a month we've got the awesomely wicked and for all of those high rollers big ballers out there we got the ten dollar level the extraordinarily wicked as a member of our patreon you are entitled to bonus episodes Uh, You also get a one-time shout-out on our podcast, as well as some other cool little extra things going on there. So come on over. Join our fan club.
1: Feel free to give us a follow on Instagram at
0: weekly underscore dose underscore of underscore wicked, or you can literally just search weekly dose of wicked, and we'll pop up because we're the only ones. For a direct feed of our podcast, please go to www.weeklydoseofwicked.buzzsprout.com Great news, you can now listen to us pretty much wherever you like to listen to podcasts. That's right, folks, we are big time. You can now hear your Weekly Dose of Wicked on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Plus Alexa, Podcast Addict, Podchaser, Pocket Cast, Deezer, Listen Notes, Player FM podcast index overcast Castro castbox and pod friend the only place we can't seem to get ourselves on is Pandora so we'll let you know when that happens
1: in the meantime make sure to come back next Wednesday for your weekly, weekly dose Joseph of wicked,
0: wicked. but psh <laughs>